Good morning, church. That's the part where you say good morning back. Good morning, church. It is so good uh, to see you. I want to welcome you. Hopefully, you've been welcomed from the parking lot all the way in. We try to create a vibe that lets you know it's a big deal that you're here uh, without getting too much all in your personal space. And uh, to our online crowd, we welcome you as well. Thank you for tuning in. If you're tuning with us live or if you're watching this later in the future, we just thank you. Uh, that you're giving some time to what God is doing in the world and life and specifically in Relentless Church as we start our Christmas series today. Let me show you what December looks like at Relentless Church. It's on the screen as we are visual learners. Um, we have a three-week Christmas series that's starting today, the 5th, the 12th, and the 19th. So after today, believe it or not, we will have two more worship services in 2021. Uh, from the very beginning of our church, one of the very small ways that we say thank you uh, to the army of people that make Relentless Church happen each week. One of the very simple ways that we say thank you is though Sunday after Christmas, we do not have a worship service. Um, if you're new with us, uh, believe it or not, it takes, we're not a huge church by any means, but it does take a lot of hours and planning and effort um, and work and prayer to do what we do. And we're very thankful that we get to do it. Um, but that Sunday, we obviously have a lot of people traveling, but more than that, we just want to ask our church as a whole and especially our, our volunteer squad to take a deep breath and to still worship God and, and all those things. But on the 26th, we're not here. So if you're here, you'll be all by yourself. The building will be locked. So uh, don't do that. And then, and then that lets us kind of build a little bit of momentum and excitement for the new year. January 2nd uh, will be our next worship service after the 19th. And we'll be back at one service at 10.15. Uh, we are working and praying. Uh, so you know, uh, in 22, we'll be going back to two services. We're still working on the date and the plans for that. We're going to need your help in that. But you'll be hearing more about that in the coming days and months. As we get into Christmas, let me just confess. Can we start with confession this morning? Some of our uh, self-proclaimed recovering Catholics in the building. Well, I'll start with some confession Christmas, I love Christmas. That's not the confession. Christmas preaching, Christmas series is a struggle, right, for me. And, and a few years ago, I was talking to Raph, our associate pastor, and I just, I, some preachers do it so beautifully. I don't want to talk about the baby and the manger every year. Like, I, it's the baby and the manger and the angels and the shepherds, and it's beautiful and it's scripture. I just can't keep coming every year like the baby in the manger. So, so Raph's like, you know, what you could do is just preach what you feel like God wants you to preach. That's brilliant right there, right? That's some wisdom. So I've kind of been inching towards that, but it's like, no, people need to hear the baby in the manger. And, and this is the first year that I'm all in. I'm preaching what I feel like God wants me to preach, and we're just going to call it a Christmas series. All right? Are you in with me? All right. You know, like the baby in the manger, we're in on that. And it's not, it's not completely absent. We're going we're gonna to tie it together. But, but even, um, even the idea, right? Like December 25th, was that the day Jesus was born? Right? If you know the history, it's hard to know. Right? He was born one of the 365 days. So there's a one in 365 day chance that it was that day. But, it, but if you study, it's not even clear. I've always been told the way we got to December 25th was, um, you know, the, the early century Christians, you know, a couple hundred years after Jesus, 
And then the Roman emperor became a Christian and all of Rome became Christian, which was the worst thing that ever happened to Christianity was the state started mandating Christianity for the government for as, as an absolute. But in that time, there was a Roman pagan holiday on December 25th. And the Christians were like, hey, let's redeem that holiday. Let's, let's celebrate Jesus instead of all this nonsense that's going. And over time, the Roman pagan holiday died out and Christmas held on. And now, 2,000 years later, that's the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. The problem with that, which is the majority opinion historically, the problem with that is we have two, 100 years before that emperor stuff, we have people mentioning and talking in historical documents about we need to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And how they pick December 25th is very much up for debate. I didn't know until this preparation for this series that there is a, a, not a hidden belief, but I'd never heard much about it, but there's a group that's historical, that's in the church and goes back centuries that believe uh, that March 25th was the day of conception. So when, when the angel came upon Mary and Mary became pregnant with what eventually was Jesus, that that day in the old century church was celebrated as March 25th. So it also in that, and this is not scripture, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if this is true. Like, well, what are we coming here for if you don't know if it's true? We'll get to the stuff I know is true. I'm just guessing. But what they say is that March 25th was both the day of his crucifixion and the day of his conception. And God's good with dates and stuff like that. That wouldn't surprise me. So how that group says that we got December 25th is they took March 25th as the day of conception, added nine months, and maybe Jesus was born on Christmas, which would like make things cool if he actually was born on Christmas. Now our kids aren't in here, so you don't need to tell them that Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. We're, we're really not going to spend much time, we already spent all the time we're going to, on when and what day and how and all that. What we want to focus on is why. Why Jesus was born. Why he came. Because if we can understand why he showed up on this earth. It's going to help us understand why we are here. That's what this series is. It's called Here We Come, which we'll get to. But we really want to understand, maybe on a new level, maybe on a first-time level, maybe on a, on a deeper level, one, why did Jesus have to show up on this planet? How, like, what was all behind that? And not only why he came but why you are here. And if we can collectively understand why Jesus came and also why you're here, why you exist, that's a big question we're gonna tackle. If we can get why, we, why Jesus came and why we're here, together, here we come. We'll start to become the people, the church, that God has called us to be. Let's, let's start with Still, I saw a Sunday or two ago, speaking of, I saw this sign. It's probably one of the most famous scriptures. They still, in 2021, somebody still goes to the game with the John 3.16 sign. Isn't that crazy? Like with all the digital and the advancements and we're still, I'm not mad about it, but it's like behind there, a field goal's being kicked and somebody's, right, which the dude, the three rows behind them are like, really, I paid all this money to be in the fourth row and I can't see anything but your John 3.16 sign. But it's, it's, it's one of the like, be most beautiful scriptures. And also, last thing I'll say about football, I've never, I don't think I've ever done this in seven years. As you know, 
I tell you all the time, like we're all over the place, don't care about sports, do care, this team, that team, basketball, college, all that, we're all, we're all, we, we, you know, we, we got a lot of issues we work through, we cheer for different teams. The thing we come together around is the Carolina Panthers. We just ask you that to be your second team. If you got a team you grew up to, like we just ask to be your second team. And I've never, ever done this in seven years, what I'm about to say. I'm declaring from the Lord above that our Carolina Panthers will not lose today. Amen. You like that? You like that boldness? Now for the the deep football fans, you know that they're on a bye week today. They don't play. But that doesn't stop my boldness. John 3:16, for God so loved the world. Why did Jesus come? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish or die, but have eternal life. And then sometimes we forget to connect 17 to 16. We need to, John 3, 16, 17 sign. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why did Jesus come? Why did God send Jesus in the form of a baby? He sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. We get to be, church. Here we come. We're coming as ambassadors. We are the marketing arm of Jesus. We get to let the dark, broken, hurting world know why Jesus showed up. And how could it be more clear? How many people do you know that if it was a multiple choice question, what's Jesus about? How many people do you know, they're like, well, from what I know and what I'm seeing when church and Christians, I think it's about judging and condemning people. That's out there. I bet you know somebody who think that's what this is about. It's, there's some scripture, I'll give it to you. There's some scripture we gotta really work and greet. This is not complicated. Jesus, the scripture says, John 3, 17, here's what God didn't send Jesus for to condemn the world. Here's what Jesus did send Jesus for to save the world. That's good news, y'all. Jesus came and he came as a baby and he was real. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. There was a manger. There was Jerusalem. There was Bethlehem. There was, it was Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago, he was born and everything did change. And history shows it and scripture shows it and our lives show it. Even the calendar shows it, right? B.C., A.D., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini. Now, I know a few years ago, in the last 10 or 20 years, they started to change that. You're right, you're right. They don't. Now we're not BC, we're BCE, before the common arrow, and now we're not uh, Anno Domini, we're, we're, I don't even remember now what they, the CE, the common arrow, so they don't want to put Jesus in the thing. And we can get all, you know, torn up and, and mad about that, but why, right? We, why would the world want to acknowledge that Jesus is the centerpiece of history? It makes sense, like Jesus is offensive. This baby, who probably was cute, my wife says all babies are cute. And she ain't seen the babies I've seen, because that's just not, that's not true. A lot of babies are cute. All babies are not cute. I'm going with, with Jesus as it, like, there was some, there's some beautiful in the swaddling, and there's, you know, the, yes. But he, he didn't come to stay. He came to grow as a man, to go to a cross. He came to be offensive. Jesus, he was really clear with his people. They hate me, and they're going to hate you too. That's Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one's going to get to God, the Father, unless you come through the gate of Jesus. That's offensive. 
That's really offensive today. That Jesus, who some would call a good teacher, would say, there's only one way to get to the one God, and that's through me. So yes, historically and culturally, people are going to want to minimize and remove him, right? And what are we going to do when people are like, well, we're not going to call it Anno Domini, AD 1, in the year of our Lord. We're going to call it something else. We're going to get mad about that. Like, you can't take her. No, we're going to love them because Jesus came for them. Right? We don't need them to say A.D. or B.C. for Jesus to be who he was. We get so caught up in little minor secondary issues. And maybe you're part of it. I'm not trying to make you mad. It's Christmas series. right? But let's not be the church that gets mad at the person at the whatever store saying happy holidays. Well, they got to say Merry Christmas because they're trying to take Jesus out. Right? At Christmas, you can't spell Christmas without Christ. Right? So Merry Christmas. I should say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. That's, they're trying to take Jesus out. Like how weak are we, church, that we're worried about the, the world taking Jesus out of anything? Jesus ain't going nowhere. Jesus lives in us. His body, his church is alive and well. And do you really want sweet old senior citizen or young college kid or whoever's trying to make a living who may not be a follower or believer of Jesus, do you really want them to be mandated and forced to say the word Christmas, does that really accomplish anything for you or for them? I don't want people that don't believe in Jesus being forced to say Merry Christmas at a secular store. It doesn't make any sense. We get all fired up. That ain't, that ain't us. And why is it not us? Because Jesus came to save the world. What part of the world? Who's specific? Well, he came, he came for the whole world, right? Yes. Yes, he did. But there's a specific principle in Scripture of who he came for. And Paul lays it out so beautifully. Paul, again, we, we talk about Paul because he's everywhere. He's, he's the godfather. We are a church plant. We didn't exist seven years ago. Well, Paul was the godfather of church planting. He went around the world, and on these missionary journeys, he would go, and he would preach, and a church would start. It was a multi-ethnic church, and, and then he would go to the next place and start another church, and, and Paul was part of us because he was an untold unconvinced. He didn't believe in Jesus for a lot of his adult life. In fact, he hated Christians. And then, and then God reached his heart like we've seen God reach many of your hearts. And he changed completely and totally. And God used him to change the world. And, and he says some beautiful stuff that's going to be foundational for these three weeks of this Christmas series. It's in a letter that he wrote to his young protege named Timothy. This is in chapter one of 1 Timothy Paul said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's a trustworthy saying, Paul says. You need to fully accept. This is about your life. Here, here, here's as true as it gets, as foundational as it gets. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And he could have stopped there. That's a beautiful verse. And then he goes next level. If you want to rank sinners, I'm the worst. Now, is he being like figuratively, is he being like preachers being, you know, they try to say something crazy to make a point? Perhaps. 
Perhaps he's saying, because I know me, and we should all look in the mirror and think, I'm the worst sinner I know, because you know yourself better than you know anybody else. Maybe that's a part of it. Or perhaps he was saying, no, you want to rank the worst sinners one to seven billion? I got the title. I'm the heavyweight champion of sinning because I've killed Christians because I thought they were a fraud. And he had. He'd been part of murder of Christians. So I don't know what you're bringing in as far as some guilt and some shame of past stuff or last night or whatever. Maybe you killed a Christian last night. I doubt it, right? Paul had had an experience that most of us have no idea what it means to carry that. He thought Jesus was fake. Then he met Jesus, followed Jesus, and was a leader in the church of Jesus. But still in the back of his mind, he knew what he had done before he met Jesus. And if forgiveness is real... Paul is the proof it completely changed everything about his life. But he's saying right here, I was the worst. That's why Jesus showed up. Not for the people that have got it together. Not to the people with the pretty little Christian resume that think you've lived a good life. That's not who Jesus, Jesus came for the worst of sinners. Look what he said, right? That Jesus might display his immense patience. He says, for this very reason, it wasn't random or accidental that Paul was picked to be who he was. It was by design. God's like, let's pick the most messed up, anti-Jesus dude we can pick and completely rock his world so that people in 2021, nobody could sit at your work or your neighborhood or in this building or online and think, well, maybe this relentless loving God, maybe I'm outside of that. No, he picked Paul so you'd be like, Oh man, maybe maybe I got a shot. Like that dude was messed up. Like he's killing, like really? Like really? He was a murderer. Now, if you are a murderer and you're in the house, God bless you, right? We're glad you're here. And if you need some, some counseling and prayer, our associate pastor, Raph, handles all the, <laughs> the, the ministry to murderers. That's his, that's his deal. He's great at it, and we just release him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He came to save sinners. What kind of sinners? Not the, yeah, I made a mistake. I told a lie. He came to to save the worst, all right? And I could go through some names. I'm not. Just culturally today, some people that societally we have no grace for, like that's the worst thing you can do. That's who Jesus, the people that are disgusting to you and to me. The people that in my flesh, I would say, I hope they're not saved. That's who Jesus came for. And for those of us that are in touch with our own sinfulness, that's beautiful news. That Christ came not to create a pretty nativity, but he came to grow up and go to a cross and raise from the dead to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So this series is... The gospel, right? We, we say the incredible news of our rescue and adoption. But now that we're rescued and adopted, what, what do we do with life? Why he came helps, uh, helps us know why we're here. That's the two pieces of this. We're going to get some specifics the next couple of weeks. Why he came helps us know why we're here, why you exist, why I exist. This word of, of purpose. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that. It's a pretty deep question. I don't know if you've been in a room or a situation 
or an event or a relationship or a season of life and you've asked the question, why, why am I here? I was reminded this week of one of the most uh, life-altering experiences of my life. It was 2006, October, so just over 15 years ago. And I was at uh, a low point in my life for a lot of reasons. And somebody, a man said, hey, I went on this retreat. It changed my life. And I know what you're walking through and going through, and I think you should go. I was like, well, tell me more about it. Well, it's, it's like a small retreat. Found out it was 30 or 40 guys. I'm not going to know any of them. And you go and, and you turn your cell phone in, um, if you have one back in 06, and you, turn, you, you lose computer, email, communication. You're out in the woods at this camp. You're indoors. I would, that would have been a deal breaker for me, outdoors. Um, and you spend a Friday through Sunday re-getting to know Jesus. It was really vague. Like, they don't want to tell you like, the details. I'm like, no, nah, I want, tell me more. And like, no, just trust me. And I, and I was at a broken place, um, and I'm thankful for that. If you're in the house and you're broken, like God does his best work when you admit and ask for help. So, so I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I said, okay, I'll, I'll go on this thing. So I get there, um, and I you know, turn all my stuff in, and it's a Friday night, and I don't know any of these guys, and I'm broken and I'm hurting, and I'm, I'm irritated, and I'm questioning why am I here? And if you've ever been at one of those things, Jesus-centered or not, just little retreats, conference, whatever, like they start with these little like get to know, which is just the worst thing ever, right? This just, we don't need, we're adults here. I don't need to know your name. Don't give me a name tag. Like, just come so I've just got like a bad attitude and I'm actually thinking, cause I was a, a student pastor for, for years before this and I, I ran these things. So I was just thinking like, where's the break where I can get out of here? But the problem is I was dropped off, right? So I had no wheels and there was no Uber or Lyft in 2006. So after the, the, the meal and the get to know you garbage, they, they start with the first activity and they sit us around, um, this room, and there's a massive table in the middle of the room. We're in a circle. And there's all these random objects, like stuffed animals and furniture, little things. But I can't even remember what they all were. And they said, we just believe God. People are praying for you. And it was. There's a ton of people praying for me on this, on this weekend. Uh, we believe God's going to speak. And we believe he's going to speak through an object. So we want you to pray. And when you feel called or drawn to an object on the table, we want you to take that object. It'll be your object. You'll carry it around for the whole weekend. And I'm like, I'm looking around for the, the camera, the Abe, like, this is a joke, right? Like, we're adult males. And you're like, what have I gotten? Why am I here? Like, I don't want to, like, my heart is hard and I'm broken. And then they're coming with picking object. And I'm like, no, in my mind, I don't, I don't say, I ain't picking nothing. I'll just take whatever's left. That'll show them that I'm not playing their silly little games. Right? But it gets awkward after a while, right? Because everybody's like, wait. So, so I just, uh, there's a, maybe a few things left. I don't remember. It was 15 years ago, right? But there's, there's some uh, spectacles, some eyeglasses, like kind of in front of me, and it's the shortest walk. That was the spiritual, like they're asking you to pray through it and let God speak. And I'd, I'd set aside this time, and people were praying for me, and I was broken, and I knew I was in need. And my spiritual self was like the shortest walk. 
some stupid glasses, right? So I got those glasses on Friday night. And there's all kinds of things that happen over the next 24 to 36 hours that I don't have time to get into. But, but I, I believe that the Holy Spirit um, works in our preparation. We talk as our staff about being prepared and, and, and that works with the Spirit, not against it. And we plan out things and plan out series and messages and we believe in that and we still believe in that. But, but last night was the first night in a very long time that I was completely changing and rewriting, I believe by God's compulsion to change this message. And I went and found my folder from the Faces of Christ retreat in 2006. And they had us write a letter to ourselves at the end of that, several letters, but I was reading through that last night. And I knew this story, but I'd forgotten some of the emotion of it. Of through scripture and just a living, active God calling me and loving on my heart and reminding me why I was here and why I wasn't here because I really had bought into that I was here to do something big for God. And it messed me up. And through scripture and prayer and a living God meeting me, these glasses signified learning to see God learning to see God through his word. And even bigger than that, it was about learning to accept how God sees me. That I had believed when I was behaving well that God saw me as a favorite son and that when I blew it, God saw me as the son that had blown it. And how far from the truth and the gospel that was, that we can't earn it, we don't deserve it, that I can't rescue and adopt myself, that he knew all my junk before I did and still was willing to send Jesus to the earth to die on a cross, to raise from the dead, to rescue and adopt me. And I wrote in this letter, and I'd forgotten this part of the weekend until last night, you, you go and you have a moment with Jesus. Now it's not the real Jesus, it's a stand-in, right? So they have a human that's kind of in the dark, so you don't know who's playing the character of Jesus, but they just ask you to come and pray and and have communion and do some things, and and there's a physical representation. It's not Jesus, you know that, they know that, but it's just a, a worshipful time at the end of this, and they ask you if you're willing to take your object and to give it, to let go of it. And I wrote in this letter that I read last night that this is a, this feels like a life-altering moment. That from here on out, my life is going to be lived based on what I believe God sees when he looks at me. And I, and I, and I cried 15 years ago when I let, it was so hard. It should have been so beautiful. It was so hard to give that up of how I'd seen the performance-based religion that I was stuck in and, and that I'd blown it and sinned big and messed up all kinds of things in my life that, that to let that go and really believe that I am loved and accepted and I can't earn it and he doesn't love me any less and it's real and it's going to change the rest of my life. That was one of the most emotional moments of my entire life. And God spoke to a hard heart through a silly activity, at least one something I thought was silly. And, and I'm not perfect by any, the more you know me, the more you know that, but my life has never been the same because for the first time, I understood with confidence 
why I'm here. And it's not to lead a church. It's not to preach a message. It's not even to be a husband or a father. Those are all outflows of the reason I'm here to be in relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Everything good about my life has flown out of that. John says it this way, this, John 17, this is eternal life, that they know you, they's us, the only true God, and that they know Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's life. That's eternal life. That's the life you were made for. It's the abundant life. That is why you're here. Pastor, you don't know me. You can't. You don't know my gifts. I might be here to be the next big CEO. I might be here to be the next influencer superstar. I don't need to know you or your gifts. That's not why you're here. You're not here to make a name for yourself. You're not here to grow the biggest, best. You're not here to get this reward or award. And none of those things are bad. That's not why you're here. You were designed and made by a creator. And he created you to be in relationship with him. And our sin makes that impossible. That's why Jesus came. And if we can connect why Jesus came with why we're here, then, church, we can talk about here we come. I grew up in church. And let me connect this dot back to um, a few weeks ago. I don't remember which Sunday I, I talked. And I've talked about it several times. I talked to, and I, I don't want to retell the story. But I talked about how hard it was for me to, to want a moment with my dad on his deathbed and, and wanting like, him to give me the speech. And that never happened. And how, letting that go. It was part of our Just As Forgiveness series. If you really want to know what I'm talking about, go listen. That's right. But, you know, it, it was hard because I, I felt like it was... The, the situation was ripe to have that. I didn't need that. I'm proud of you. I, 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 don't know what I, I don't even know what I wanted. I let that go. I had a great dad. Well, last night, I'm in that Faces of Christ folder. And part of the retreat is they get all these people that are in your life, and they, it's a secret. I don't know how they do it. I didn't know it was coming, but, but there's a night where you go up, and there's a packet and I don't know if I was just extra loved or everybody, but there was a packet of letters by the, the key people in your life. And y'all, I, I, I was at my worst and I, I, had, I was at a bad place. Some of you understand what that means. And I'm reading letter after letter of my dearest friends, of my wife, of uh, just encouraging, relent, like the body of Christ is an amazing thing. But last night I'm flipping through and I did not, and I forgive me, mom, I did not remember the letter from my mom. And this was in 2006. She died in 2016. My dad died in 2012. She said everything I wanted to hear from my dad on his deathbed. She just said it six years earlier in a, in a letter. And I would forgotten there's a lot of motion going on in 2006, but like last night, God met me at my little desk in my closet. Like even what you thought you didn't get, you did. And it was, it was, it was, uh, we're, this, I was at my worst and this was, we're so proud of you and we, and it was, wow. Man, God will, let's, let's get out of 06. 
God will meet you where you are. And the rest of your life, if it goes the way I, I know it can, and what God, the rest of your life will be built on you having a confidence of why you're here. And we constantly, we talk about these phrases, we'll talk about them in these series, relationship over religion, transformation over transaction. Those are just not phrases. It's super dangerous. In fact, it kills the gospel when we focus on performance and religion. Here, here's, when, when I was a kid, I was going to tell you, I grew up in church. Uh, my mom and dad didn't really know Jesus, and they tried to find a church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina that had a decent kids program, right? My brother went to kindergarten with my wife. She's older than me, right? She went to kindergarten with my wife, and, and Kelly's family, who's here in the room, they were core people at Pinedale Christian Church, so we were checking out every church in town. We went to that church, had a good kids program. We stuck. My parents met Jesus there, so, but for me and my brother from elementary school on, like, that was a part of our deal. So I went to conferences and heard stuff, and there was a lot of beautiful, great stuff, right, 95%. But there's this one story I heard several times, and it spoke to me at the time. And now, looking back, it's a messed up story, right? I don't even know if it's true, but it's on Alexander the Great. So I'm in a youth conference, probably middle school or something. The guy stands up, and he's like, there's a story about Alexander the Great. And he goes out on patrol, and he sees that one of his soldiers is sleeping on the tree, Right? He's supposed to be watching for the enemy, and he's asleep, right? So Alexander the Great, he kicks him in the leg, and he's like, hey, listen, that's not what we do. I could kill you, but I'm going to give you uh, uh, another chance. Well, i back up. I messed up the story. He says, what's your name, son? And the soldier says, Alexander. And Alexander the Great's like, oh, you know, I could kill you, but you're Alexander. I'm Alexander. Here's what you're going to do, son. Either change your name or change your behavior. Right? And, the, and the preacher then is like, Christians, what is a Christian? Christ, you represent Jesus. So some of you, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you know it, and you're sleeping around, and you're doing this and that, and all the stuff that teenagers do. And you, hey, change your name or change your behavior. Woo, amen. Right? We represent, and I didn't think anything of it, and I don't know if anybody else did either. And as I've gotten older, it's like there's a lot of those things. There's a song we sang at camp. This dude, uh, um, Can You Steal? Here's a worship song. The lyrics are, Can you still feel the nails every time I fail? Every time I sin, am I crucifying you again? This is a mainstream, like, Christian big deal chart song. Like, what do we, what do we do? Like, did we ever read the Bible, right? It's not Jesus coming and kicking me saying, change your name or change your behavior. So I live that and I amen that. And when I'm doing the right things and not doing the wrong things, or when I'm doing the wrong things, at least they're, you know, hidden in the basement and nobody sees them. And you think I'm doing the right things and I'm at peace and right with God. Nothing to do with the gospel that I'm at peace and right with God because Jesus came and died for my sins. It's offensive to the gospel. We want relationship over religion. We want to love the Lord God with all of our heart. We want what Paul said in, when he said, hey, nothing is better than knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Nothing. That's why you're here. Not just to be saved. Yes, man, we pray for that and want that. But to be saved so that you're in relationship. There's nothing better than knowing he came so that you could know him. He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
If we understand why he came and we understand why we exist, yes, to represent him. Yes, we're going to talk about the church. We're supposed to be the light, all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. But the being is over the doing. The doing flows out of the being. If we get that backwards, we're going to be miserable at best. We're going to be miserable, grumpy Christians. The do comes so beautifully when we're focusing on the being. But when the doing is primary, the being always gets left out. You know how, you know how I can prove that today? Christmas, <laughs> a holiday that we can argue about the history. I admit, I don't really know where, how we got here, but a holiday that's built, the reason for the season is Jesus. And we're the, it's one of the most busiest, like we tell our staff as far as leader training and meeting with your team, like don't even try <laughs> in December. Like there ain't no... It's like people are, it's not people, Jones is like, it's crazy. It's one of the most due months of the year. And due, when it's primary, hurts B. We're trying to be a church where being with Jesus is more important than doing stuff for Jesus. And the beauty is all the stuff that God's called us to do flows really beautifully and naturally when we're being. They're not in opposition. They go together. You just got to get the order right. I guess I want to hear, I want you to hear, and I believe more importantly, God wants you to hear that you're not random. I'm not random. Right? A few years ago, that was a cool word. Like it was the young people. All right? Everything, everything. That's so random. Right? And then like anything, that's so random. That could be like, is it good random, bad random? Oh, it's just random. That's so random, right? But, but there's power in that word. And there's a lot of folks that are young. There's a lot of folks that aren't young. And they don't use that word. But in their heart of hearts, they're not sure why they're here. And they're not sure if there's any design or purpose. They're not sure if there's any God that knows their name or could care. It really even is, a, is aware of the emotions and feelings that you have right in this moment right now. There's a God who knows your name. He is aware and you were designed and created. You wouldn't be here otherwise. And you were designed and created for one purpose, to be in relationship with your creator, God. You are not random. We don't believe in coincidences. You're not just here. here here's what I think. I think there's two lies that are killing us culturally and they're in the church. Two lies. One, you're, you're here by accident or by random. There's no design or force or God behind it. That's one lie. And, and two, eternity isn't real. Right? You imagine, some of you know better than others, you imagine how we're going to leave this place in a few minutes? If your mindset is, I'm just one of seven billion, there's, there's no design, there's no plan, there's no purpose, no, 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 nothing, no outside human anything knows me or anything about me. If you really believe that and you believe when you take your last breath on this earth, that's it, you're just over, it's done, there's nothing else, man, no wonder. <laughs> like, I don't even want to fully get it. Like, you, how can you not be broken? The hopelessness in, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know if anybody made me or knows me. And I don't think anything happens after this short life is gone. My good, you're talking about mental health. <laughs> How could we not be highest everything bad in the history of our country? More money, more resources we've ever had, worst mental health ever. We don't know why we're here. 
And we're not confident of what's coming after here. So let's, let's finish with that word, confident. So, so uh, I'm coaching a varsity girls team, uh, hashtag girl dad all in on all that. We started our season, some good games, some not so good games. We have a word of the month. I'd give them, like, this is the word we're going to focus on all month. And if it goes well, we might do it again. So December just started. Our word of the month is confidence. Confidence. So this is a spiritual application and an on-the-court application. We've had one game in December. We were at Cary Academy. We, we played one good quarter. There's four in high school basketball. We played one good quarter, but that was enough. We scored 22 points in the quarter, scored 20 points in the first half, 22 points in the third quarter. And it was, it was confidence. Like we weren't, so, so at practice, here's the conversation. Hey, confidence isn't something I just give you as a coach, as a buzzword, and then you go be confident. We're talking about purpose and eternity. Go have confidence. And some of you are too smart for that. Why? That's what I told my ladies, my my young ladies, my athletes. You don't have confidence just because the coach tells you. You don't look in the mirror and say, I'm going to play confident today. Confidence has to be built on something. That's why we practice. Right? So you can do things in practice that you've not done before. Then you can go in a game. I'm not trying to have blind confidence. Like, hey, go do a 360 reverse dunk. Have confidence. No, you can't do that because you've never done that. Confidence is, I've experienced and tasted it. So, so listen to my untold unconvinced, to my doubters, to my people that have followed Jesus for a long time. And for the first time in your life, you're wondering if this is all worth it. Have confidence, but not confidence built on nothing. Confidence built on what's already happened. That's why this relationship is everything. Through the day-to-day, you and God having a relationship, you don't have to have blind faith. He shows up in your life. When he shows up in your life, then you can believe, hey, if he said this and he came through here and he answered this prayer, and if he, he answered this prayer different than I was even praying it, but it was better than what I was praying, if he just shows up in all the ways that he does and he will, then you know I can trust him what he said. And what did he say? He said, you're here for a reason. You're here to know him. And he said, the end of this life is not the end. It's the beginning. Eternity is real. We're forever focused. We're closer to forever than we've ever been. And I don't want you to believe that because it sounds good or it gives you a little hope or it's, you know, makes you, you know, walk a little better or be less anything. I want you to believe that because it's true. And the way you're going to know it's true is through a daily interaction, not doing, being, and sitting with the God who loves you more than words can describe. He will show up through glasses at a retreat. He will show up on a Sunday morning at worship service when you didn't even know what you were coming for. He will show up in the ride home. He will show up on Monday morning. He will show up anywhere and everywhere. He is invested in us and in you. And he wants you to have confidence, not confidence built on nothing, confidence built on a relationship. The more you're in relationship with him, submissive, surrendered relationship, not genie relationship, God, I need this this year. No, no, a surrendered, submissive relationship. The more you're in a surrendered, submissive relationship to the lordship of Jesus, the more you will not, cannot doubt his purpose and his plan. That's the life we want to live and and we got to get that so that we can come. We'll talk more about here we come in the next two weeks. But for today, man, if we could start to really lock in, why did Jesus come? To save sinners. What kind of sinners? The worst. And we can start to understand why we're here. We know why he came 
And while we're here, now, Church of Jesus Christ, here we come. Could you stand up for me? I want to I pray over you, and we'll be dismissed. Father, um, I, I just think that in my experience, God, you're so amazing and patient. I would get so frustrated, Father. I would get so frustrated with me if I were you. Because you've shown up so many ways, so many times. So obvious, so surprising, so good, so patient. So many times, God, where I'm like, you're not with me right here. And then I look back six months, six years, and you were so obviously with me. You were with me better than I even could have imagined at the time. And God, you'd think that I would catch on. But I still doubt. I still ask you, God, where are you at? What are you doing? Are you sleeping on us? God, help us remember how good and faithful you've been in our lives, in our church. And God, for those in the room or online that are struggling because there's just not much faith, maybe there's just no faith. They just, they just don't have any. God, meet them there like only you can. Start to give and show them. Give them just some amount of courage to trust the possibility and watch how you'll flood their hearts and minds and lives because you're a good God who created us to know you. There's nothing better than being in relationship with you. That's why we're on this planet. Help us know that and believe that. And in this season, God, where the songs and the references are everywhere, help us just be in a constant state of thank you. You sent Jesus, not so we could have a holiday, that you sent him to save the world, to save sinners, the worst. And thank you for the truth and freedom that that provides. God, I pray we'd go live the lives you called us to live on purpose, not trying to go perform, but just resting and relaxing in your love and your grace and the relationship that you've called us to. We pray and go in that, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, church.